0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. How are you, Jill?
1: Hey, so good. How are you?
0: I'm feeling good. Um, I'm, I've am i been sick the last like, couple of weeks, or, or I was sick two weeks ago and then was feeling better last week, but I feel like I still sounded kind of sick. I finally feel like my voice is back to normal. Um, and we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about... Uh, The Nike and Tiffany collab, which I'm glad we waited to record this because there's also some news about Tiffany's executive creative director leaving that came out like, you know, the couple hours before we even recorded this. Then we're going to talk about Nike suing Lululemon, which we will also kind of tie into several other lawsuits that Nike has going at the same time. They're very litigious at the moment. And then finally, we're going to talk about the list index that just came out this week and some of the trends that are in there, especially Balenciaga and how far it has fallen since last year. But let's start with um, the Nike and Tiffany collaboration. So we were initially going to start this just by talking about the collaboration and you know what that means for Tiffany and all that stuff. And then, as I said, uh, late on Wednesday, the news came out that Ruba Abunima, who is the executive creative director of Tiffany, was leaving the company after um, two years or a year and a half, maybe. She, I think she started in 2021. And she really kind of, in my opinion, oversaw... The, so she didn't do product design. She was the creative director for their marketing and advertising and all and social media stuff. And I feel like she was definitely, um, from my perspective, an influence on them becoming a little more edgy, a little more youthful, doing all this like streetwear kind of stuff. Or, you know, just a, a definitely a shift in their vibe. And Tiffany has been doing very well, I think, and everything, but it's it's interesting to me that she's leaving. So we can talk about the Nike and Tiffany thing in a minute, but I wanted to talk about Ruba leaving first. Jill, what are your thoughts on that?
1: In our internal conversations, we do give her a lot of credit, but I don't know, and maybe this is just a PR thing, but since January 2021, when LVMH acquired Tiffany and and took over, Alexandra Arnault Anyway, the the son of the CEO of LVMH, who came over formerly of Ramoa, um, who had done all of these buzzy collaborations and really put the brand—it never fell off the map—but really got it into the cultural conversation um, with Louis Vuitton and Supreme and Off White, um, and that was, you know, intentional to get Tiffany into the cultural conversation by him um, and you know, they did so with Beyoncé and Jay-Z. They did so with all of these other collaborations with Supreme and um, Fatigue Philippe. Is that how you say it? Anyway, but the fact of the matter is, you know, he is driving all of this, it seems. She has such a high stakes job um, in terms of getting the brand into the cultural conversation um, when everything's happening on platforms, on social media. um, And that's really what she's charged with owning or driving. Um, So I have a hunch maybe there's friction there (laughs) in terms of maybe how things are being handled. But yeah, speculation on my part. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you're right. And and through the time that she was there, I was never really able to do an interview. And I feel like, uh, like you said, it's a little unclear exactly who's responsible for what. So she didn't do the Nike collab because she doesn't do product design, but she's responsible or was responsible for all the messaging and stuff. And I feel like Tiffany's shift is not just in product and not just in messaging and stuff. So I'm sure there's collaboration and stuff going on there, or there was. Um, I feel like I have started to see this sentiment out there that Um, Some of Tiffany's shift is a little cringy to some people that they're, that it's weird to see this brand that's known for these ultra classy, elegant um, jewelry designs to suddenly be, you know, making sneakers and do, and the high, low collaboration has been, you know, very common thing in, in fashion for a while. So it's not particularly out of the ordinary. I'm a little surprised to see that sentiment kind of out there that Tiffany's like, being try-hard or whatever. Um, but I don't totally disagree. I, I I do think some of the stuff they've done has been, I don't know, doesn't quite land the same way. The sneakers that they're doing with Nike, to me, are not offensive at all. They're They're not ugly or anything. But it is kind of just, it's just an Air Force One with the Tiffany blue swoosh. You know, it's not particularly inspired. Have you seen that sentiment out there that I'm describing? And how do you feel?
1: I'm with you. I've seen it all over the place people are like oh Tiffany I don't know selling out this cheapens the brand all the things to me it almost feels outdated like Gucci's collaborating with Adidas um, and but there's a lot of you know collaborations have become very commonplace so it's like if you just did a collaboration like it's getting lost in the mix nobody's really talking about it all the time um, a fine jewelry company um, with a great heritage, very respected doing this. Of course, we're talking about it now. Everybody's talking about it. I think that they haven't done it to death right now where Tiffany is tacky or um, fallen out of favor. They're reaching Gen Z, which is the intention. We haven't talked about them for years. It it was feeling stale. Let's get real. And, you know, booming billion-dollar brands have leaned in, like, Yens greed and what they're doing with skims like they've leaned they've built brands on tapping the cultural zeitgeist or a conversation um that's what they're doing and so we've seen the power of it um it seems very modern and the and the way to go about building a brand um and yeah i i tend to disagree as well i don't love the shoes but i like what you said that um the little accessories are like to me really sexy mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, see, and that that to me felt much more inspired. So in addition to the sneakers, there's all these little sterling silver accessories. There's a whistle, there's a toothbrush, and they feel much more like Tiffany was involved here, whereas the sneakers, it's kind of like they just let them put... I remember a term that uh, uh, Jeff Staple used to use was a logo slap, where it's it's this collaboration is literally just you put the, the Ritz Crackers logo on a Nike sneaker, and boom, now you have a collab. And this, the sneakers here kind of feel like that. It's literally just a normal Air Force One, but with a blue swoosh. Um, this, the accessories are much more interesting. They're much more, this feels like designers from both brands were involved here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think those are much cooler. Um, speaking of Alexander Arnaud, he wore the sneakers to a Knicks game the other day. And the, the sneakers are just big, chunky, black Air Force Ones with a blue swoosh. And he wore it with an all-black outfit. And I thought it looked cool. Like, they're... They're not bad-looking sneakers. They're the Air Force Ones are cool. It's literally just a black Air Force One with a blue swoosh, so <laughs> they're they're not ugly. And the outfit was great. LeBron James um, wore yeah, it le- too
1: with a bomber that's a Tiffany and Nike um, in mm-hmm. in the tunnel or whatever the new runway.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely interesting. And Tiffany, we we kind of alluded to this, but just to be more specific, they have really been doing well since LVMH bought them in 2021.
1: Oh, I was going to say the latest earnings about them formerly being mismanaged, not reaching their full potential, and now the growth they've seen. But yeah, spell it out. How much growth? Yeah,
0: yeah. so I was going to say, I, I was looking at their earnings. They said they've doubled sales since last year and broke $1 billion in profits, which is pretty amazing. not $1 billion in revenue, but $1 billion in profits, which is, yeah, that's pretty damn, good. Pretty damn um, good. And yeah, like you said, they kind of alluded to the pre-acquisition, Tiffany, yeah, maybe not using... taking full advantage of the brand or you know maybe not properly tapping into the cultural zeitgeist and there's definitely been a shift in the strategy there clearly financially it's it's successful but it is it has been interesting to see the perception of the brand and what people are saying out there because there's a lot of money coming in but there's also a lot of kind of like you said i i feel like people are you know talking about tiffany like the hello fellow kids meme you know like with steve buscemi um anyway
1: i was just gonna say regardless i these shoes are gonna be collector's items like when i first at first thought what a freaking steal i thought they were 400 dollars with all the accessories and i'm like i'll freaking get my butt out there and stand in line at tiffany to get like the shoes and the whistle and the shoehorn and the brush like Air Force Ones are over $100. So like, um, but anyway, after digging, I hear the accessories are going to come out at $250 to $475 each. It's not a package deal. But for a Tiffany item where it may be a bit of a logo slap with a Nike emblem, <laughs> that anyway, it's going to be hot. Anyway, we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, definitely. And And the price element of these collaborations is always interesting to me. When Louis Vuitton collaborates with Nike, there's in such different price brackets, what what price does the collaboration end up being? And I think that kind of tells you who is sort of more involved here. Like the the Air Force Ones are priced closer to a normal pair of Air Force Ones, and the, the accessories are priced closer to a Tiffany accessory. So it's kind of, it's clear who sort of contributed more to, to each thing. Um, Speaking of Nike, so the other topic I wanted to talk about today involving them is that on Tuesday, they filed a lawsuit against Lululemon for patent infringement, um, calling out, I think, three or four different pairs of sneakers that Lululemon sells um, and saying that they're basically ripping off um, Nike sneakers. This is not the first time that Nike has sued Lululemon because they also sued them over some technology. I think it's the, the... the technology that they have in some Nike shoes that can like track how many steps you take and stuff. Um, and Lululemon does something similar. So they've sued Lululemon before over patent infringement. And they've also sued other brands over patent infringement for ripping off their sneakers. And it's just very interesting to me. So I looked at the the Lululemon sneakers in, in contention here. It's called the Bliss Feel is one. And there's a couple others. I forgot to write them down.
1: The Charge Feel, the Strong Feel, they're all a feel name. <laughs>
0: Yeah, bliss feel, charge feel, strong feel. And to me, they kind of just look like running shoes. Like, there's only, you know, there's only so many ways to make athletic shoes look. And there's a lot of non-Nike shoes that kind of look like Nike shoes. And there's a lot of Nike shoes that kind of look like other brands, athletic. Like, they're sort of just, they've got a, a heel tab and they're like cushiony with a big sole. Like, that's just design elements that make sense for an athletic shoe. So, I kind of think it's a little bit of a stretch, personally. Um, what do you think? And then we can talk about the other lawsuits as well.
1: Yes, I haven't dug into what exactly is the fly to fly knit technology. That is what they're claiming mm-hmm. is um, one of the things that's been ripped off. Um, and that has to do with the textiles, the the materials. There's also a claim about performance um, and the way that I guess the shoe responds. So maybe undetectable to the human eye, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have to say, people are kind of glossing over this. It seems that there's like a tug of war between these Nike veterans because Lululemon's been in the press about having hired Nike folks and you know, we saw this. This is very like top of mind to me. Like I do my little Megan Roop workout, and she's been sued by um, you know, recently Tracy Anderson. Like you used to work for me, now you're taking my moves and building a business. So it's kind of the same type of like uh, I guess, knowledge and intellectual property here. Um, and but it hasn't been widely reported. Blanca Gonzalez. February 2021, she was hired at Lululemon, had been at Nike for 20 years as the um, head merchant. She was involved in a lot of the product, um, I guess, direction from there. Um, It was short-lived. It was for a year, and she's back at Nike, and nobody's talking about this. Like, Mm -hmm. what happened? And they've also hired a creative somebody who had spent 10 years at Nike, Lululemon has. So, um, you know, I I would be sus if, if something looks similar, (laughs) they're hiring, they're hiring my people and coming out with similar things. Um, you know, I'm not sure about specifics, but I, I I don't blame them if things, if things are, I'm starting to look like more and Lululemon's going more into this athletic shoe category in the last year, they're launching men's this year or next year, men's shoes. So, um, I mean, Nike has, that, that's a big category for Nike, obviously.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and so you bring up a good point about Nike executives and designers kind of dispersing out into other brands and people hiring them and stuff. I was going to mention last week, um, Nike also sued Bape, a bathing ape for the same thing, patent infringement. That one in their lawsuit filing, they've got side by sides. And that one is much more egregious to me. I mean, they're literally identical except instead of a swoosh, it's like a star kind of pattern, but it's shaped almost the same. They look so similar. It's ridiculous. And I think Nike has this interesting place in streetwear and sneaker and, you know, whatever you want to call this whole um, section of fashion where they are so massively influential and so big and so many designers at other places have worked at Nike um, and or grew up wearing Nike or talk. It's it's almost like hard to avoid copying them to some degree because their design elements just are sneakers. They're just, you know what I mean? Um, Bathing ape, you know, they are not shy about the fact that Nike is a big influence on them. So are like a lot of the other stock X who Nike is also suing ha- th- over a different thing and not for making products, but around about NFTs. It's like Nike is just such a big name and such a, their their name and their logo is just such a big deal in these circles that it's kind of everyone is tempted to use it and everyone I think feels a little bit of ownership because Nike almost feels so big that they're not even a an individual brand anymore you know they're just like an, an element of the whole culture so I feel like people are a little looser about just straight up taking ideas from Nike because it's just so influential it's floating in their minds and everything that's my take at least. Yeah.
1: And Bape is very much like, I don't know. It was almost like, uh, cute. Like this is, oh yeah, we're doing something Nike ish, but we're doing it our way. And, but it's been going on for years. And it reminds me of that conversation we had about Tom Brown, where it wasn't an issue until Tom Brown entered the sportswear athletic, wear kind of category with sportier looks, um, from Adidas. But in this case, Nike basically said it wasn't an issue, but now Bape is gaining a significant share. They're they're growing their business in the US. Prior it was like piddly winks share of the of the market. Now they're going in hard and now we care. Um so yeah, I would agree. It's a little bit too similar. They replace the swoosh yeah. with a star or something like that.
0: Yeah, but the rest is literally exactly the same. Um especially the Air Force 1s from Bape, I mean they're not called Air Force, but that they are basically Air Force 1s. They've got that super distinctive like sawtooth kind of sole on the bottom. It just looks exactly the same. Um, And you're right that you bring up the Tom Brown Adidas thing, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was basically Adidas suing Tom Brown over the use of stripes, um, which is kind of funny, but it did represent a thing when he started to get into sportswear because then... The stuff that just had stripes suddenly did start to look a lot more like an Adidas product. I think actually the resolution of that case was that the court ruled in favor of Tom Brown. So um, I wonder if that will have any sort of impact on Nike's various um lawsuits that they have going on. Um Nike is obviously huge and can probably has like the best lawyers in the world. So I feel like they could they're they're a legal threat, sort of no matter how frivolous the issue may be. Um, but I'd be interested to see how some of these lawsuits turn out if Nike just steamrolls over everyone and wins them all or if there's, you know, if the courts kind of give the various people that Nike is suing some leeway uh, around influence. I'm, I'm not sure because Lululemon put out a statement that was very defiant and were like, "This, these claims are ridiculous and we are certain that they're not going to stand, which, I, I, you know, everyone says that when they're getting sued. But they, <laughs> I thought it was notable that they put out a pretty strong statement about it instead of sort of trying to, you know, downplay it or, or kind of brush it under the rug.
1: Agree. Yeah. We'll see. There's so many, <laughs> so many lawsuits happening in fashion. Um, there are Hermes, Hermes mm-hmm. Birkin, Delio happening now too. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll be watching.
0: Yeah, definitely. The Meta Birkins one I'm, I'm also interested in because I kind of lumped that in with the Nike StockX thing where that's, gonna tell us a lot about how nfts will be regulated although it does feel like sort of nfts are like forgotten now at this point um which is funny to me but anyway let's talk about our last topic uh, which is the list index so list spelled l-y-s-t puts out this quarterly index um uh listing all the top fashion brands i think they track it based on both searching and like buying data that they have um and it's always interesting to just check in and see where brands move up and down and it kind of gives you a little bit of a broad overview of what's going on in the industry. Um, I always find it very helpful. So shout out to List for sending that to us. But um, there's a lot to talk about in here, but the first one and something I feel like we got to address is that Balenciaga just completely like nosedived on on this list, um, understandably. They are no longer in the top 10. I think they fell seven places. They've always been in the top 10 or have been for years at least, um, and now just like completely tanked out of it um obviously that has to be related to the whole situation um last year with those two weird ads that they put out and that just like extremely blew up in their faces and was such a big deal um I knew that it was gonna that it was a big deal at the time and we talked about it a lot and I wrote about it and but I am a little surprised at how just how devastating it was to them I kind of thought people would maybe forget about it after a couple of weeks and it would all just blow over. But I don't know if it really has. It seems like that's really still a sore spot and that it really damaged their reputation much more than I was expecting.
1: Yeah, I was kind of thinking it was going to happen. Like I just was like, who's going to want to wear something that is a logo Balenciaga, which again, we talked about like the little ball caps with the logo were such a thing. Like nobody wants to say I'm wearing Balenciaga and tag it like you'll get Backlash, it's not cool anymore. So um, it's interesting. So, list, um, circle back. Um, They've been doing this since since 2017. You said, like you said, first time Balenciaga hasn't been in the top 10, which is significant. Um, And it tracks um, their 200 million shoppers, their behavior on their own platform and others, their views, what they're buying. Um, And it also looks at social media mentions of these brands, um, activity, engagement couple of factors. But I thought it was also, I mean, I'm always critical I here. (laughs) I thought it was also interesting that List, who has backing from LVMH. Well, of course, Balenciaga was a big story this year. um, And that was like a top point that they called out like in their PR pitch that this was coming out today on Thursday of this week, um, that, you know, Balenciaga dropped for the first time. And these other brands, maybe not, they haven't always been in the top 10, not sure, but I kind of dug a little bit and saw what other brands were dropping. Um, and Louis Vuitton dropped six spots is out of the top Mm -hmm. 10 to number 15. Um, Fendi dropped seven places is no longer in the top 10. It's 14. So, um, uh huh. <laughs> anyway, a lot of movement here, um, for sure. And we saw the bubbling up of some kind of unexpected brands. Um, Montclair really, like, I think, bumped up 14 spots or something. Banana. Yeah, they
0: shot up there.
1: Yeah, it's great. And Lueve, and and Prada's number one. And it seems like a lot mm-hmm. of brands. I don't know if it's, if it's the logo mania that it once was, but you know, last year we saw everybody wearing the tank tops with the center. Um, Central centrally placed logo at front and center with Prada, Lueve, all the brands that are kind of hot right now. Um, It girls were the logo and and across tops, across um, heels. And anyway, it's since taken off. So, huh, a lot of mention of TikTok's role too in these trends, but go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say I I missed uh, Louis Vuitton dropping out of the top 10. And you're right that that feels like it should be a, a big deal as well. I mean, that it's almost exactly the same as um, Balenciaga, which dropped seven spots out of the top 10. Louis Vuitton dropped six spots out of the top 10. I feel like that's a pretty big deal too. And surprising to me, I feel like they're often talked about as one of the top brands. So I guess maybe they're, they're kind of cruising on this legacy, but in reality, just in the last quarter or so, it hasn't really been backed up. Um, another one I wanted to call out was UGG is on the list for the first time. They're not, I don't think they're very high up, but they're on the list. And I keep seeing people talking about Ugg making a big comeback and Uggs are in and all this stuff. I don't see people wearing them, though. Or at least I don't see the, like, the The, classic Ugg boot, like, out on the subway or whatever. No, the really low
1: ones, Danny. You gotta, your algorithm's different than mine. All the girls are wearing the low ones.
0: (laughs) So that's what I was going to ask. I was like, is there a different type of Ugg that's popular that I'm, because I'm only used to the, like, moon boot, cushiony, like, mid-calf, length one and that's what i've been looking for and i feel like i haven't seen it so there's a low ugg that's that what is it like soft and like like a moon boot yeah,
1: it's like it's like 130 140 dollars I, I think i don't know what i forget what it's called but um it's just a regular ugg with super small like you would never it's not the classic ugg although hey i saw a male celebrity wearing a classic ugg um like high which you don't expect i guess I forget who it was. It looks it looked kind of cool. I was like, look at him. Anyway, he made Uggs, Uggs look cool. But the fact of the matter is there was, you know, lists always when they send this out, like, oh, the popularity to some celebrity, some TikTok trend, some something. They didn't talk about Montclair. They did talk about like what they owed that to. Um, but for both Montclair and Ugg and, um, in the top 10 was this Doc Martin, I think, um, style that was just like shearling lined and it had like a lot of reviews online for being comfortable. Um, it all speaks to this, like, of course it's cold in the fourth quarter, but like this coziness trend that's happening. Some people are calling it vanilla girl on like TikTok. That's like, it's very cozy. It's like creams and neutral shades. And, um, you know, you just want to be cozied out. Um, and I just sent it to our team, like the 13 predictions in 2023 for life, I guess they they deemed it. Um, New York Times came out with last month um, and they were talking about basically this is the year we all go soft. So I just think a lot of these trends speak to coziness and comfort and two extremes though. It's either comfort or it's like party wear and wear your your heels and your party dress. So two extremes.
0: Well, that's interesting. I feel like the cozy and comfortable trend, I feel like has been a sort of narrative since the pandemic where everyone was wearing sweatpants and stuff. And then after uh, people could kind of go out again, I feel like I was hearing from all these people about um, people want to wear clothes that look nice, but are actually sweatpants or something, you know, um, so, and, and then there was sort of a shift away from that where it's like, no, everyone wants to wear corsets and stuff now because they're tired of soft and comfortable. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that ever actually happened. I definitely feel like the cozy and comfortable is still kind of a big deal. Um, I also wanted to mention coach, um, being on the list for the first time as well. Um, list says that that's due to more accessible price points from them and younger shoppers. Um, and I, I was looking at that and I'm wondering because of inflation and price increases and people kind of trying to make their money go further, I wonder if some of these kind of premium, almost luxury, but not quite luxury brands might benefit from that. Because if so, like Tapestry, which is Coach's um, parent company, they also own Kate Spade, which I kind of think would, would put in there too. They're not a Louis Vuitton, but they're nice and a little more expensive. Um, I wonder if those brands will... Benefit from some of that, or if it's the opposite, where people will either will go to the extremes, they'll either buy super cheap fast fashion, or they are someone who can still afford to buy Louis Vuitton or something. I'm I'm not really sure yeah. where that will lead them to end up but it is interesting that coach is on the list index for the first time totally
1: and i don't know either because like jacques moose which is a little bit you know it's more affordable than the um louis vuittons of the world dropped a couple of spots which i thought was interesting um and again on the subject of balenciaga falling out of favor it was also maybe noteworthy that dolce and gabbana um their placement went up three points it's still in the top 10 and it's had its own fair share of controversies for sure and P.S., this the Lewewe like puffer, I didn't even like, it wasn't even on my radar. It's in the top 10 items of the quarter. Um, and to me, it just, it looks like a Yeezy jacket, like Yeezy for Gap. One of those like puffers. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay.
0: Um, any other thoughts on the list index? Any other brands that you wanted to talk about before we wrap up?
1: I mean, I, w- I just regret not buying the quilted YSL tote when I was in Paris for a steal Mm. anyway that's my note that's the number one item (laughs) it's the thing anyway
0: well next time you go to paris you'll pick up a few um Okay, thank you so much, Jill. It's always great to have you on the podcast. Um, For those of you listening, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. Um, That really helps us out a lot. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you will hear. We can review every Friday with me and Jill, sometimes me and other members of the Glossy team. Uh, And every Wednesday, Jill or I will be interviewing industry insiders, cool people, great guests. Um, Jill, who's up on our next episode?
1: Next week, we've got Elise Ahrens. She's the co-founder of Francis Valentine, which caters to a little bit of an older shopper. Um, And yet she was one of the co-founders of Kate Spade. And Kate Spade co-founded Francis Valentine with her. Anyway, it's a great conversation.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Well, give us a subscribe and you can hear that episode. Um, And until then, thank you for listening.